Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. All of these books available at Amazon in paperback and ebook format. And if you're an audiophile and you like the Audible book route, you could find volumes one through eight right now at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon at well as well. And please check out my latest book, How to Make Money, God's Universal Laws for Wealth and Prosperity. It's a real eye-opener, I guarantee. And now, my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing all right. How about you, Bill? Pretty good. I got a mosquito honing in on me here around my uh, little studio seat here. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you say that because I usually I don't get bitten much by mosquitoes. And I sat outside uh, for about 15 minutes before and I am itchy as ever. <laughs> <laughs> They were these biting little, out there. Yeah, these little beasts, man. And I treat my uh, yard with this organic spray. Yeah. And look, it doesn't get everything. I mean, it, it's definitely, it's for ticks and mosquitoes. Uh, but these little buggers, man, they just uh, come in and, uh, you know, it's it, they're nasty business, man, you know? So no harm is done to the local Bigfoot by the organic spray? Well, I don't. Th- I hope not. But <laughs> I'm more worried about the uh, mosquitoes getting at the <laughs> local Bigfoot. <laughs> That's right. They don't, you know, there's nothing worse than a Bigfoot with the West Nile virus. Or something <laughs> like that. Can you can you picture, comically speaking, a Bigfoot like flailing his arms around trying to? Whack the mosquitoes that are flying around. Hey, maybe them. that's maybe that's why they're shaking those trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're using them as back scratches and flying mosquito swatters. <laughs> Unbelievable! You know, I had a guy. I I have to tell you this. I was on the phone last night with a guy, uh, and he says that a Bigfoot got up close and personal with him, actually putting its hand on him. Whoa. So uh, I I don't have time, you know, to get into the whole uh, story that he told me, and I asked him if he would uh, write it up for me. Uh, Northern Washington State, uh, camping out in a motorhome, 
uh, he had some familiarities with the creatures. And two couples were in the motorhome, him, uh, this girl, and another guy and a girl. And uh, the other guy was of uh, Indian uh, heritage. And uh, it, it's it's a tale to be told, you know, and I'm hoping he's going to come through with it. Oh, yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah, it, I mean, it'll freak you out, you know, uh, if you believe it. And once again, who am I to argue with these people, you know? Uh, strange things happened, you know. Strange things happened. So, uh, so they were like sitting outside the motorhome, watching a big screen, and the Bigfoot snuck up on him, put the hand <laughs> on the shoulder, and said, "Hey, can you put on ESPN or something like that?" <laughs> I want to watch the college playoffs, man. Come on, the playoffs are on, will you? Jeez. You know, watch I everyone if loves it- Raymond another time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was watching the uh, uh, Finding Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> you found him. Now switch the channel. <laughs> oh, man, I'm telling you, there's some creepy stuff going on out there. So what do you got today, bro, in our cryptids in the news and other oddities? Yeah, we are going to talk about the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Yeah, that's definitely you know a that cre- creature. Yeah, it's definitely a creep fest. <laughs> that movie, uh, what was that movie? The uh, I never saw it, believe it or not, folks. I, I know most of you were saying, come on, WJ, what do you mean you never saw it? Kev, what was that movie a while ago about that creature down south? Oh, the boggy legend of... Uh, boggy Creek. Legend of Boggy Creek, yeah. Yeah, and I think that was lightly based on the Honey Island Swamp Monster phenomenon. There's a few different cryptids down in those parts, um, mm-hmm. you know, so could be, could be yeah. for sure. But but this is uh, the Cajun beast, the Honey Island Swamp, monst- swamp Monster hanging around the bayous in Louisiana, of course, uh-huh. in the swamps. And um, it is, you know, it's a smaller beast relatively speaking still bigger than me you know about seven feet tall usually Mm -hmm. with a gray coat uh often described as gray in color um you know some of the reportings are black eyes some are uh, red eyes the Mm -hmm. uh, beloved red eyes yeah and then very interesting it's got like these three-toed Webbed feet, though, which, you know, could be an adaptation to hang around in the swamps down there. Yeah, I've heard that three-toed thing before. A lot of guys relate that to the Rougarou. Yeah, but the, and the three-toe is interesting because, I guess, uh, the traditional uh, apes and gorillas and stuff like that, of course, don't have three toes. So, yeah, kind of a, definitely a different creature. Yeah, it's weird. Because those Rougarous also have, like, the... The toe sometimes or claw on the back of their foot, too, or on the back of their hoof, or paw, or whatever a rougarou has. Yeah, it's kind of like a <laughs> talon. It's like a, exactly. a hawk. You know, a hawk, yeah, yeah, a bird yeah. of prey or something. Yep, exactly. Oh, man. So it's pretty so, interesting, though. When you dive into the Honey Island Swamp Monster, you also come across some interesting controversy. So have you ever seen the film? Of the Honey Island Swamp Monster that one of the early uh, folks that saw it uh, captured. 
Uh, that was the one that that woman's father left for her on that reel. Exactly. So the guy's name is Harlan Ford. Yeah. And he was out in the woods, in the swamps there, I should say. Uh, and they were searching for an abandoned cabin that Ford had seen from an airplane flying around. And this was right in the heart of the Honey Island Swamp. Uh-huh. Now, this all happened back in 1963. Right. And, uh, you know, you know, he there's a quote from him that says it was nothing like anything I'd ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Ugly and sinister and looking like something out of a horror movie. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then, so this guy, and there's another sighting that Ford uh, and Mills had, okay, Harlan Ford and Billy Mills had. Um, but let's stick to this one in 1963, because uh, after he passed away, after Harlan Ford passed away, his daughter found a box in the attic, mm-hmm. and uh, she... Um, gave this film to some folks, and I'll put the link up on YouTube. You can find the film on YouTube. But it's supposed to be taken from a Super 8, a reel of Super 8 film, you know, so the old Super 8 cameras, right. that was taken in 1963. So some could say this is actually the oldest videotape of a Bigfoot sighting, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Patterson Gimlin was like 1967. This is 1963. Right, right. Now, this is where the controversy comes in, though. So, and it's not necessarily controversy that Harlan and Billy never saw anything, um, but the controversy is that in 1963, in fact, there was no such thing as Super 8 film. It was, uh, it only came out in the market in 1965, a couple of years later, by Kodak. Okay. So, so it wasn't around. Um, and then uh, some folks, but this is like, you know, more obscure, folks look at the tape. Now, I look at the tape, Bill, and it looks real. It's pretty cool. So, yeah. again, I'll post it on Bigfoot Terror in the Woods under this episode, Podcast 109. Um, and uh, you take a look for yourself. But when people really look at the video closely, there's what they call a jump edit in the middle. So, like, the Bigfoot seems to be moving along, and then there's, like, a break, you know, second break or something like that, and then mm-hmm. the Bigfoot's moving along. So, it looks like maybe the camera stopped, or two pieces of film were spliced together, or something like that. So, you know, the skeptics say, why would the camera stop? You know, maybe they had to shout to their friend in the suit, like, hey, get moving again. You know, Um, but, you know, it doesn't. When I looked at it before I saw all the analysis, I was like, hey, this looks like pretty cool, pretty cool old video of a Bigfoot walking along in the swamp. Yeah. And it did did have that look of like a ghillie suit, didn't it to you? Long and shaggy. I couldn't say that because it is this. Yeah, but it's really old video, Bill. You know, yeah, the good news yeah, is yeah. it's not shaky. Right. The bad news is, I mean, it's super aid of a creature in the distance, but it, it is a reasonable time of the shot. You know, maybe 20 seconds or something like that. It's not two seconds or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's moving along through the woods, and it is looking like it's moving like uh, the hairy man. Now, you know, how more did- than you or I tripping around in the swamp with a suit on. How did the daughter come up with 63? I, you know, apparently, I, so they don't say, 
is the okay. answer. So maybe it wasn't 63. And then it turns out, like, they interviewed the grandmother of him or the mother of him, and she said it was in the 70s where wow. he filmed it. So that's realistic, still a long time ago. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, and then so it's we reported, get- you know, this sighting is, and, uh, and the next sighting are reported uh, from our friends at cryptidsfandom.com on the web, and they say that in 1974, Ford and Mills returned to the area on a duck hunting trip, and they found several dead boars with their throats torn out while they were going along, and uh, the boars apparently were much too far from the water, in their opinion, right, experienced hunters, to Mm -hmm. have been killed by alligators. So they started to think that the monster that they encountered back in 1963 was likely involved. But they wow. didn't talk about having filmed it mm-hmm. at that time. Wow. So it's pretty interesting. No clear answer, unfortunately, Bill, but, you know, some well, controversy well, about 63 versus 65, I think, which that's more reasonable. When you're talking about looking back all the way to 63, maybe it was 65, right? More than yeah. 50 years ago. The uh, Once again, though, you have to fall back on kind of the expertise of a hunter. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't hunt boar, and I'm not a swamper, but it makes sense to me that if a gator was going to snap at a, a hog's throat enough to kill him, that hog would no longer be existing anywhere to look at. No, you'd think you'd drag it off into the swamp and uh, no problem. chomp the rest of them or share them with the family and uh, friends. Right, and the idea that several hogs would be, uh, it's a very, very strange set of circumstances. There's no doubt about it, you know. Yeah. Now, I saw that picture. Uh, I, I saw that woman interviewed actually a couple of times, and each time she was interviewed, it was accompanied with... Uh, showing the video, and uh, man, that sure as heck looks like some type of freaking swamp monster walking along through the trees for about 15, 20 seconds to me. And of course, all the doubting Thomases out there are going to say everything you showed to them is fake, you know? Well, yeah, of course. But I, but, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool too, and I'm, I'm the first one to say, hey, something looks fake, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, and I have no problem. You know, you know, Kev, you and I have dubbed certain things fake right off the get-go. And uh, you got to lend a little credence to a, a piece of footage like that uh, because, it, you know, I don't think you're going to get much more of a chance filming something than what you got right there. And uh, I'm with you 100%. And, you know, the most recent one that you brought up was that Craven footage from up in Canada. Oh, yeah. And see, like, that was like, I don't know, Bill, five seconds or something. But yet you were like, whoa, that's real. Yeah, I mean, that thing just took me as uh, skin on muscle, as I say. Yeah. You yeah. know, that that didn't look like any punk in a suit uh, walking along that lower ditch next to that roadway. But that was yeah. freaking a monster. No. Wow. Honey Island Swamp Monster. Very cool, huh? And I'll post it, folks, again on BigfootTerryInTheWoods.com under this episode, uh, episode 109. 
Mm -hmm. So look there, and I'll put the link to the YouTube video. And the YouTube video also, it shows the clip, and then it shows, uh, it has commentary from the person who is debunking the the video related to the jump edit. So you can make your own decision after taking a look at it and write in and let us know what you think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 really really interesting. And folks, uh in line with what uh, KJ just said, if you've seen something say something, uh hit our contact button on our webpage bigfoottherrorinthewoods.com and uh get in touch with me. We have a lot of people chiming in with me uh i i actually had somebody i was in the hospital waiting room today kev and one of our listeners called me <laughs> oh boy. and i said to him listen his name was tom i said tom bad timing i'm in a hospital waiting room and it was like a library in there it was dead quiet you couldn't and I, you couldn't talk bigfoot in there yeah i was like you know me, me, with my low, key, low key voice, uh, <laughs> talking to Tom <laughs> about Bigfoot wasn't going to go over there, you know. But no. folks, I spend a lot of time talking to people about Bigfoot, UFOs, all kinds of stuff. So please chime in and uh, let's have a conversation if you've seen something. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, Bill. So what do you got for us? Well, I have. Uh, one of the creepiest stories with a very bad ending. <laughs> yeah, no, really. This is this is a, a really a sorry tale, and uh, to me, it just shows you what can happen. You know, I'm always saying, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need, and I I constantly say that. I do not want to be up close and personal with one of these things because you don't know what you're running into. You don't know what you're dealing with. And uh, as you're about to hear, uh, this is about as bad as it gets. So listen to this. Uh, first of all, Bill, I want to personally thank you. By the way, this story came from a guy named Anthony D'Angelo. Who happened to be a retired biology teacher from California. But the event didn't happen in California. It actually happened in Washington State. And this is what uh, Anthony D'Angelo, PhD, had to say. First of all, Bill, I want to personally thank you for giving me this platform to share the events surrounding our outing in September of 2009. As I told you at the time, I was a high school biology teacher for seniors. I was blessed to teach such a course to what was, generally speaking, a great group of students every year during a career that lasted 31 years. My students knew me as the survivalist because my entire life was wrapped around survival techniques and living off the land when the school year ended. My students also knew that each summer I would invite any members of the class who wanted to devote, to devote a week of their summer vacation to come out with me in the wilderness for some hands-on survival training. In the tail end of August 2009, 
running into the first few days of September, just before the new school year was about to begin. I and six of my previous year's students headed off into the Yakima region of Washington State. Now, I don't know if it's Yakima, Yakima, Y-A-K-I-M-A. I had selected... Yakima. 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 I had selected two separate areas in which we were going to spend our seven days. Three days in each location with a day for fudge room, if you will. Now, each year I did the same thing with the class, which was teaching them the fundamentals of building a survival shelter. This always proved out to be a great team activity and also gave the students a real sense of what it must have been like for early travelers in our country. We weren't hunting and gathering to survive, although we certainly spent some time doing so on our trips. Rather, we came fully equipped with everything we needed, with the exception of our shelters. And even then, we had emergency tarps should they be needed. Both of the areas which I chose had no shortage of the supplies that would be needed to build a shelter. And both were comprised of heavily timbered, semi-mountainous terrain. During the first three days of our outing, the group as a whole had spent the better part of the first day constructing a timber teepee suitable for the whole group to stay in. We had located two trees with suitable horizontal branches that were growing close together. The group then scavenged for longer limbs and small felled trees that could be used to lean up against these horizontal branches, <coughs> Excuse me, forming the basic teepee structure. The group then gathered pine boughs and branches to fill in the gaps of the overall uh, structure. The front of the teepee was left open, and we built a fire pit and a defense wall in front of that. Overall, the students had done a fantastic job, which was always the case, and I could see it in their eyes that they were proud of what they had accomplished together. During the next few days, a lot of time was spent hiking and finding edibles in the forest, as well as making modifications to our basic structure in an effort to improve it. This is a life lesson that I try to impart to all of my students, which gets back to the building of a better mousetrap. In other words, having done something in life, ask yourself this simple question. What can or could I have done to make it or do it better? After three days in this area, we packed up and drove to our second spot, which was only about an hour away. In this location, the team's challenge would be escalated to a new level. We would, as a team, be building a single structure for each of the team's members. For this exercise, I had chosen what is called a debris hut or a modified lean-to. Just so your uh, readers, or in this case listeners, can visualize this design, picture a pyramid split up the middle. And now lay the pyramid on its side on the ground with the open or base end as your entrance. If it was built for one or maybe two individuals, the fundamental design would first involve finding a stump to give height and support for the opening. 
But since it's impossible to find enough stumps close together for this many shelters, we were making supports for the openings by leaning or shoring up large irregular-shaped branches to form the front or opening end of each hut. A longer tree or limb was then placed on the stump running or the, the uh, branch running from a high point to a low point being off the ground. The side would then be filled in accordingly with boughs and branches. We then built a fire pit in the middle of all these huts so that when we were finished, we had a circle of survival huts like the spokes of a wheel surrounding the fire with our heads facing the middle when sleeping. Now, let me just slide forward here a little bit. It was during the second night in this location, after everyone had long gone asleep, that I can remember seeing a flash in my eyelids while my eyes were still closed. This awoke me from my sleep. As I opened my eyes and turned my head, one of the rubber air mattresses that all of the students were using under their sleeping bags had caught fire. I jumped out of my shelter, shouting to the others to get up. In the quite literal heat of the moment, I didn't notice that John was not standing with us, putting out the burning rubber mattress. Moments later, I and all of the others realized that this was, in fact, John's mattress, which had somehow made its way out of his hut, with its lit edge now touching the fire. But John was not there. Neither was his sleeping bag. Everyone, as you can imagine, was running around frantically, calling for John and trying to make some sense out of the situation. Although I didn't want to leave any of the students personally, I sent two of them with my truck's keys to get the authorities while I and the others stayed behind. A large search ensued, going on for many days in the hope of finding John. But the only thing that was retrieved was, in fact, his sleeping bag, which was found several miles away from our camp. I believe it was on day four that a kayaker found John's body on a bar in the Klickitak River. We later found out that he had not died from drowning. The river was perhaps six miles or more from where he had been sleeping. His body was found with his head completely turned around backwards and his left leg had been torn from the socket. His shirt and pullover was still on his body, but the lower clothes had been removed. Nobody was really holding anyone in the group responsible, although much questioning ensued after the disappearance. It's unknown to any of us how he came to be where he was and in the state he was in. Certainly, none of the group's members could have or would have carried him such a great distance, leaving him in the middle of the river many miles away and returning to camp. 
I never took another group into the woods, which was an even more saddening ending to what was already a very tragic situation. What do you think of that, Holy, Kevin? holy cow, Bill! You weren't kidding about uh, a tough ending. Yeah, that's a, uh, you know, and you know what I think happened there. I think he got pulled out of his. Uh, I think he got killed, and then taken out of his little hut setting there in a very stealthy fashion, and was hoofed out of the campsite and miles away. Uh, by a freaking Sasquatch. Yeah, either that or just like knocked out instantly. You know, like maybe he went out by the fire or something. You know, maybe his tent mate was snoring or something and the Sasquatch snuck, snuck up on him and like whomped him so he was unconscious. Yep. And then took him for a little carry through the woods and tore him apart. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because to me... Perhaps he was a little uncomfortable being in this lean-to, or maybe some spiders dropped down on him or something, and sure. he decided to shimmy his his uh, cushion out, which kind of left him a little bit half in and half out, so to speak, you know? Well, I know I've done it where, you know, you're sleeping in a tent, let alone a lean-to, and... Uh, you know, you just can't get comfortable. You're camping. It's not like you got to get up at 530 and catch a train in the morning or something. So you go out by the fire and kind of hang out a little bit, even though you're by yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything could have happened. You know, like they say, dead men tell no tales. Oh, yeah. Uh, but what yeah, a brutal yeah. ending, man. Oh, jeez. Yeah, really horrific. Six uh, miles away, too, right? Yeah, and the sleeping bag, I think he said, was like three miles out or something. Uh, okay. So, uh, you know, I don't know. That's a long way in the woods, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. like he said, no no man, uh, no high school student is going to uh, carry a fellow student uh, that kind of distance on a camping trip and then make it back without anybody knowing. It's not going to happen. Now, you're not weaving in these terrible camping stories just because I'm getting ready to go camping and hiking up in New England, right? No, no, <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. Just carry a gun. Because I may not gun. be sleeping out next to the campfire. <laughs> make, sure, make sure you carry a little pistole. <laughs> uh, no problem there. <laughs> Pistolito. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's a creep fest. And uh, I'll tell you something. I'm going to tell the people something that, again, a listener told me the other day. Now, you know I, I got a hold of this map, Kevin. I won't tell anyone where I keep this map of the uh, training area, survival training area that has a picture of a Bigfoot on it as a dangerous animal. Uh, I was talking to a listener the other day that... Uh, he seems to believe through a friend of his in the service, he also was in the service, that there are certain entities that are picking these Bigfoot off. Hmm. What do you think of that as a uh, scenario? You mean, you mean uh, like the military is picking them off? Some maybe contractors, hirees, okay. people, people sent out to dispose of some of the Bigfoot. 
Mm. It's not the first time I heard that, you know. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting for sure. Yeah, and that was also insinuated on uh, Les Straub's Survivor Man Bigfoot DVD. You remember me talking about that? Yeah. The, f- yeah. the, f- the fella said he found boot tracks up in uh, Alberta. And then uh, he heard that rapid gunfire going off for 90 seconds. You remember talking about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he heard uh, he heard a helicopter but didn't see it. Oh, so yeah. must have been some blacked out bird or something traveling through the woods. Well, you it's know? hard to see a helicopter if you're out in the forest. I guess yeah. so, you know, but yeah. uh, if you're me, I, mean, I can see Unless it's right overhead, you can't see it. I can tell no, you. No, no. Well, I told you. I mean, I, I always tell the stories. I'm redundant. Uh, that night I was at Shinnecock uh, surf casting, and I heard the chopper coming. Now, the funny thing is there's a landing strip on the other other side of Shinnecock Inlet where rich people get ferried in and out on, on these helicopters. So if you sit out there, you're going to see some of these. They actually have a landing pattern. They come in over the island, then they make their approach over the narrow strip of Shinnecock Bay there, and they come down right over the dunes and land on this heliport. And so I'm thinking... Well, I'm thinking a lot of things. I know there's helicopters over there, but none that you can't see. And so I hear this thing, I mean, roaring, uh, which meant low altitude and coming at me. And I'm standing there looking and looking and looking and nothing, no lights, nothing. I couldn't see a thing. And all of a sudden, this thing was on top of me. I mean, I'm talking probably less than 100 feet above my head, Apache, blacked out, black everything, no lights, no insignia, no marking, no nothing. I couldn't even see anything inside, like the cabin area where the guys were. Hmm. And just, wow, down the beach, man. And I said to myself, wow, where are those guys flying out of? (laughs) Yeah, so that's freaky, man. Strange goings on in the world of Bigfoot, you know. No doubt about that. You know, and you know, like people say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. I'm nothing of the sort, but there wouldn't be a definition or a word conspiracy if conspiracies didn't exist. So, you know, I mean, conspiracies and strange goings on have been going on as long as man has been on the planet. So well, you never know, too, Bill. It could just be a, a military exercise, not much of a conspiracy, but you know they're flying around blacked out. They're practicing, right? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about yeah. it. Because no I mean, doubt they do that too, right? They do. I mean, I told you uh, years ago, I was um, sailing a boat up from uh, the south, and we were going up to Newport, Rhode Island, and we were off of Atlantic City, probably like I don't know. 80 miles off the coast and I told you this story right Bill I was on the watch and I'm looking at the radar I'm driving the boat and it was a beautiful moonless night maybe 10 knots of breeze and I keep seeing this shadow of a boat you know radar shadow of a big boat like right out in front of us but I can't see it Uh huh. and uh, after a couple of hours like somebody else came out to take the watch and I'm showing it and I'm looking through the binoculars yeah 
yeah, folks, you can look through binoculars out on the water in the pitch dark, and you can see something if it's there. Mm-hmm. And finally, we started to see it was a big Coast Guard cutter, and they were doing this blackout drill where they shut off all of their lights and they put all the shades down and everything, and they're totally blacked out. No yeah. running lights. And they were shadowing us, you know, just for practice. Sure. Yeah. Just like and, they were in a drill boat, right? Well, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, they were practicing because we were in a big sailboat under sail, like not yeah. much of a not Hide much of out. a vehicle to sneak around <laughs> uh, running drugs, you know, with a 100-foot mast. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're out there sailing along, and uh, and I was second-guessing the radar. Like, uh-huh. I'm like, what's wrong with this radar? I, like, rebooted it a couple of times, and it was still always there. And sure enough, it was a Coast Guard cutter, like, shadowing us. Yeah, and you know what, Kev? Uh, nothing for nothing. I'm sure there's plenty of runners out there that figure, let's oh, yeah. use this big sailboat because they'll never think we're running it in this thing. I guess, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I was also thinking about getting back to the blacked-out copper uh, chop, choppers. Uh, remember when they went in to get bin Laden? I mean, they weren't playing the Star-Spangled Banner over a bullhorn uh, when they went in there to get him, you know? No, and they had those stealth choppers, too, you know? Yeah. Like- were rumored not to exist, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stealth chopper. I wonder, do you, do you believe they really make, like, little or no noise? Oh, yeah. And they don't yeah. show a radar signature or much of a radar signature. Freaking amazing, yeah. huh? Yeah. I mean, look, if it wasn't for the chopper getting its tail uh, caught on the wall and, and uh, bursting into flames or whatever happened with that thing... They basically got in there, and Bin Laden was still in his bedroom with his wife. Exactly. They didn't hear it. It was the three choppers, and the one got caught in, like, the downdraft or something. I don't even think the tail hit the wall. Like, I don't think they made a mistake, the pilots. I think it was just, like, a weird, weird uh, um, current, air current, you know, related Uh to the chopper coming in behind these walls and the roof and stuff like that. The air just moved in a funny way and maybe the way the rotors are i'm really speculating here but maybe when they're in this stealth and quiet mode the rotors don't have as much lift right like which makes sense to me yeah yeah you know as a scientist right you know yeah they got to do something to quiet them down yeah yeah it's an interesting thing well there you have it folks we got missing persons bigfoot we've got honey island swamp monsters and we've got the attack on Bin Laden's compound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, but, hey, that's where it goes. That's where it goes. And we talk about it, you know. Hey, no problem. All right, cool. Bill. Well, we got some great listener mail this week. Um, and this listener mail is so important, folks. Just uh, keep it coming in, especially Ugh. if you know something about some of the episodes we reported on. So this first one comes in from Brian from South Dakota. And it's about uh, Podcast 108, so our last podcast prior to this one. And he says, you and the other guy were talking about the big guy <laughs> trying to take down a horse. I think he's talking to you, Bill. That's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Bigfoot might be like humans and have that trophy hunter mentality. The big guy was just looking for a head to mount in his den at home. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Brian says, we're currently on vacation on the north shore of Minnesota, north of Duluth, Minnesota. Lots of trees here versus South Dakota, where I live. I'm hoping to see the big guy, and maybe he will show me his den and his trophies. (laughs) (laughs) But then he writes, Brian writes, as long as I'm not a new addition for his wall. (laughs) (laughs) and he ends it by saying wj you don't have to worry about carrying more gun than you think you're gonna need if you're a good shot (laughs) so what do you think of that bill i think you still should carry more gun than you think you're gonna need even if you are a good shot yeah well my understanding is some of the bullets bounce off you know that's what i was gonna say you could be a really good shot and the bullet bounces off yeah it's not too good yeah next thing you know you're trying to beat them with the butt end of a rifle (laughs) and we know how that ends much like the encounter you talked about tonight yeah not well (laughs) oh my goodness well kev there you have it another intellectual cool cool all right but thank you brian that's cool and i hope you do see the big guy up there in minnesota let us know yeah very funny too brian yeah Uh, all right and nancy writes in and nancy doesn't say where she's from but this is pretty cool bill so She's writing in about um, episode 107 related to the staircases in the woods. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she says, hi, guys. Love the podcast. You guys have great chemistry and an engaging approach to the topic. You're definitely the click and clack of Sasquatch podcasting as far (laughs) as I'm concerned. (laughs) Here we go again. Here we go. (laughs) And she says, I just finished listening to episode 107, Mysterious Stairways in the Forest. And I have my own contribution to the ongoing mythos. So get this, Bill. Okay. In late summer 2019, I was exploring a remote area in the foothills of the Cascade Mountains, not far from Carnation, Washington when I stumbled upon a spectacular wooden staircase deep in the woods. But she writes, Okay, I didn't really stumble upon it. In fact, I even watched it being assembled, since it was part of the on-location set for the movie film I was working on. Huh. Isn't that something? Yeah, that's freaking weird. Yeah, you know, like... I, yeah. <laughs> She got the jump on us by kind of telling us about stumbling on it, but then she came back with saying it wasn't fake at all, you know. Well, it was there for a movie set intentionally in the middle of nowhere. Uh Uh-huh. So she says, when I saw the topic for episode 107, I was hoping to hear about some of the stories that inspired the writers of our film. And apparently the film is called The Stairs. And huh. you did not disappoint. Bill, by the way, I don't know if you could hear him, but the Apaches are coming over. <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. Let me, let me see, Kim. Go ahead. Um, I heard it for a second. I heard him. Oh, yeah. There's a squadron of them coming over. There they are. And she says, before <laughs> signing on to work on the project as script supervisor, I had never heard of the no sleep reddit thread or the sightings of mysterious staircases in remote places 
thanks for filling me in on the crazy background on this topic. Mm-hmm. Very cool, right? Yeah, that is cool. I mean, what do you think? Do you think, like, do, do you really think that some of these other staircases around could have been used in some strange movies out in the woods? I think it could be anything. I think some of them are probably uh, like old, you know, stairs from old structures that were there. Right. You know, because right, right. you know how fast stuff deteriorates and disappears out there in the yeah. forest, you know, gets yeah. overgrown and stuff like that. Um, I also think that, you know, some of it we reported on it, you know, maybe it's some type of worship place. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it, you know this it, is the first time I thought of this, the movie set thing, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, if you wanted to create something to show the hobbits going up the stairs for five seconds and then cut away from it, surrounded by the jungle or something. Yeah, that's or you're going up take, the right? stairs to get on a spaceship or into a castle. You know, right. they don't actually build the castle, but the castle's there in CGSI. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right, that's right, what right. it would look like. You yeah, know, no, so that would reasonable. Yeah, it definitely would make sense uh, in some circumstances, you know. Sure, sure. That's interesting. Wow. Well, you know, leave it up to our uh, listening audience to come through with another uh, stumper, you know. Oh, I know. It's very cool. It's, yeah, no, interesting. Who's that, Nancy? Nancy, yeah. Yeah, nice job, Nancy. Nice job with that. She, she did a good job. Yeah. All right, and this last note, Bill, comes in from Joe. And I'm okay. not sure where he's from, but you learn in the letter he's not from New York. Okay. <laughs> and he writes, just a friendly hello. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, I just wanted to say that myself and my 11-year-old daughter love your podcast. We listen to every podcast as soon as it's released. You guys are great. I wanted to let you know that I'm actually in New York this week with the Wounded Warrior Project participating in an event called Soldier Ride, July 14th to the 18th. Can't wait to try out the local food and experience New York with a big exclamation point. Mm -hmm. He says, we'll be riding in Manhattan, Long Island, and the Hamptons. Take care, guys, and keep up the great work on the podcast. Yeah, I think we've heard from him before. Uh, is he? Did he just say he was going to the Merchant Marine Academy? No, no, that's. I think that's a different guy. Yeah, you this know guy's what I'm talking on a, about. A wounded warrior ride. Oh, okay, okay. I'm kind of getting a couple thank you, of things. Thank you for going on the wounded warrior ride to raise money for the wounded warriors. Yeah one one guy invited me to meet up with him for a beer or lunch or something. Uh, coming here on Long Island, but Kev, you know, man, I am freaking out of time, man. Yeah, and no, I, am, I, I hear you. I appreciate the invites and uh, the interest and everything, but guys, I'm I'm working like a one-arm wallpaper hanger, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just it's it's just difficult to fit anything else into what I'm currently uh, involved in. So, but. Listen, I really appreciate when people extend an invite, you know, or express an interest in meeting up and chewing the fat. Uh, it would make me, like, really happy to do so. But I'm just like, I'm busy, man. <laughs> keep trying, but, uh, folks. You'll get them. You'll get them. Yeah, keep trying. And like I say, usually it's a, I mean, I was on the phone with somebody last night for probably an hour and a half at midnight. 
At yeah. midnight, I got on the phone with this guy out in Washington, and I was on the phone with him to like a quarter to two. <laughs> I mean, talk about a freaking phone call. <laughs> Very cool. Very yeah, cool. I don't well, care. That's it, Bill. That's a great podcast. Uh, fun to learn about the Honey Island Swamp Monster and that account of the Bigfoot sighting in Washington State, even though it didn't have a happy ending at all. It was still a great account. Yeah, well, just remember, folks, in light of what was read to you, if you go out camping, remember this. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.